and welcome to Hopeful Conversations, brought to you by Robbie's Hope Foundation. I am your host, Kari Eckert. Joining me today is Robert Vermillion, a senior in college at Cal Poly, majoring in computer science. Robert is one of the OGs of the Robbie's Hope Foundation, joining us immediately after our founding in the fall of 2018. Welcome, Robert. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. I am glad you are here too. 2018 seems like a long time ago. I'm going to go ahead and start with our questions for you. Okay, Robert? Uh oh You have been working with our organization since its founding in 2018. Could you share your personal journey or experience that was the catalyst to your involvement with Robbie's Hope? Sorry, you cut out for a second there. My personal journey th through with Robbie's Hope? Yeah. What was yeah. the catalyst okay. to get involved? Yeah. Well, the catalyst to get involved was obviously just the big hole in my heart that um, came in the absence of my friend and a community member and just, a, you know, a loved one in our lives. Um, and that was, uh, Robbie was the second suicide I had experienced that year. And so I knew that there was, you know, I couldn't just sit around and I had to, had to do something. Um, and I had to really just put my energy somewhere too, you know, making a change. It was definitely important. And I, you know, it was in a phase where you still had to change, but another facet of it was just putting that grief, that energy somewhere into something, you know, which I think Robbie's help really helped with because I had an outlet to kind of deal with these, you know, these feelings of grief by contributing to something and working with people and talking to people and having conversations, especially like even after the meetings, you know, just being with that group of people who's all has a similar idea and goal of stopping teen suicide and, you know, normalizing mental health conversations, even when we're not actively working on it, it was really helpful to have that community really. And it, it did build a community really quickly. Um, so that was amazing. Yeah. And so I had definitely when it started, I knew I wanted to be a part of it and it grew um, pretty quickly, which I was really happy about. And yeah, I love being a part of it. Um, it really helped me kind of find a purpose in high school and something I care about. And even in college, you know, through tons and tons of classes and they're all in this, I do computer science. It's all unrelated to that. And I still like, that is my purpose, I think. And working with people and helping people is what makes me happy and what drives my motivation. And I think I wouldn't have found that without the community of Robbie's Hope that really made me, you know, kind of find those shoes of wanting to help people and work with people and normalize struggling and be, you know, tell people that it's okay to not be okay. You were a junior in high school, right? In the yep. fall of 2018? Yeah. Yep. And now in college, yeah. um, I remember that Jason and I asked you and a handful of leaders, the leaders of the OGs that we saw mm -hmm. after, because we didn't know a lot of you prior to meeting with you and our Robbie's Hope Club out of Golden. Um, but I remember we had the idea of this hopeful drive and specifically asking a few of you to be leaders in that. What do you remember about that? I remember first when I heard about the idea and the activity, I was a little overwhelmed. I do remember that. I remember thinking it was a lot. But I want to try, obviously, and it was helpful that it wasn't just us four students. You, we had you and Jason to help us out. And so obviously I did it. I didn't want to 
shy away from it. You know, I, if I see a challenge and I'm scared of it, I think that's a good thing. So I, you know, ran towards it. And despite being overwhelmed, I remember after the whole thing ended, just looking back and being like, that wasn't that bad. And it went even better than I thought while being less stressful for me, you know? And I think there was definitely a lot of work that had to be put in and it took a lot of effort, but it also was easier and simpler than I thought it would be, which was really surprising. Um, considering how you know large of a scale this operation was and not having done any event planning or any experience like that in the past for myself um, or outreach, because that was mostly my role. I remember it was outreach. Um, yeah. I just, how would you have defined outreach as a junior in high school when we <laughs> put that task upon you? Um, what I'm was the sure goal? How, the goal for me, I remember my role was to connect with as many ambassadors from different schools. So I tried to have like one contact from each different school in Jefferson County. And I think I made a group chat with all of them to begin, kind of giving them like the initial details of how to spread the hopeful drive around their schools and promote the activity, the fundraiser. And then kind of doing one-on-one -on -one check ins and like texting the people um, and seeing, you know, how it's going with their school and how it's how, yeah, how, how it's being spread and how they're doing in their role as uh, an ambassador for their school. And, you know, really working with that group of, I think maybe 20 students, just like, yeah, connecting with them and trying to get them to spread the word. You did a good job. It's Thank interesting you. to think back to that first year. And here we are five years later, still doing the hopeful drive because it has a lot of impact. Um, yeah. do you, what do you feel like it had ha the impact that we had that first year um, in the community? Um, well, yeah, because the initial impact, you know, you see a hopeful drive fundraiser is the money, but that's not how it affects the community directly. They don't notice the money right away, at least. But it really spread the word. That was the biggest thing. You know, it started when, you know, we were, we were doing those first few Rubs Hope meetings. You know, it was one group, one classroom, one, you know, one little area, a couple high school students. Um, and then it spread to the whole county and it just got that word out there of this organization and this message and these ideas. And so it really helped, I guess, people take notice of this and people start to think about these ideas of it being okay to struggle and talking about these conversations with your friends. Because a lot of people, I think, hadn't had any thoughts or ideas. I know I didn't. I was never told any of these ideas or any of these things. And so to spread that around schools, I think was amazing. Um, so this, you know, that was like the biggest step, I think, at first to spread the message. Um, and, you know, it came with the, the students being um, self-directed, which I think was the coolest part is they, they had their own motivation to spread the word and message to fundraise as much and to make the, the event uh, at the end. And um, yeah, so it, it allowed it to be student led. And so the students could do as much as they want. And they, each ambassador on their own had their own journey with it and was able to spread the word themselves. So yeah, the student led part was really cool. And so not only did it spread that message through the community, but it also empowered that 20, that group of 20 people to, you know, be a part of this and have a desire to spread the word and to, you know, really actively be a part of stopping teen suicide. Yeah, absolutely. That student-led part is still so, so important. Yeah. Um, but I love that you started to touch on like 
how it personally made you feel like it's hard. It wasn't, it's not easy to go and ask a stranger or ask either a classmate or a friend or a teacher, Hey, can I have a conversation about something that's important to me? And can we talk about youth mental health? But Mm -hmm. we see over the years that young people, what they get in return from having the courage to start this, to be a participant with hopeful drive. Mm -hmm. Do you remember those types of feelings for yourself? Yeah. Um, it's definitely difficult at first, um, especially to people that aren't involved in the organization, I guess, because when we started, we, with the meetings themselves, the Robbie's Hope meetings, everybody wanted to talk about these things, right? We all had these ideas and maybe we didn't know how to yet or hadn't had practice, but we all wanted to versus having the conversations with my friends who had no dealings of suicide in their life or no even ideas of these things that was a little more difficult and i remember being intimidated by that um definitely because you know at least it was i'd only had practice really with people that i knew wanted to talk about it Um, right sometimes people weren't interested sometimes it wasn't a great conversation but most of the time i i feel like i always walked away from it feeling better than i did beforehand and i remember it just getting easier and easier um, once I started, you know, the first couple of times being really intimidated, but then after that, not at all and not really thinking and it just kind of became second nature. And I guess my fears of people being uninterested or thinking of me differently, or I just kind of changed that to change my perspective to thinking if they're not interested, that's okay. I am, and there's nothing to lose here. And I'm glad I'm having these conversations. So even if they don't really want to have it, at least I'm getting practice. I'm trying and still spreading the word. Yeah. I always say that we're just planting seeds. Like we don't Mm. always, yeah. You know, sometimes a person doesn't react the way like, no, I'm not interested in having that conversation or they just don't really engage back with you. Mm -hmm. But you know, by you having the courage to start the conversation and just say, Hey, like I am open to this. You've planted a seed. Like, and maybe that sits with that person for, you know, a few weeks, a few months, a few years, but they probably will recall, Hey, that, that I remember hearing that. I remember hearing yeah. it's okay to not be okay. Um, yeah. that person was really, you know, bold or courageous to come up to me and start that conversation. Um, yeah. Do you have a lot of, what, what's it like in college to still have this in your background and possibly yeah. use in a college type setting? Um, It's, it's weird because I think it's a little different because I think people are a little bit more used to having these conversations. They're, um, yeah, we've made progress in the foreground. Yeah. Because I think I just, universities have more resources and I think it's more of a talking point. So people are aware of it, but they're still not necessarily having the conversations a lot of the time. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's weird because sometimes people think that they are talking about mental health and they are. I guess, you know, having positive conversations and opening, um, you know, about their struggles, but they're not really getting into it, I guess, because they just kind of dance around it and they talk about mental health, but they haven't really opened up Okay. Um, because people are familiar with the topic and everything, but it's still sometimes hard to get people to talk, but I've had still some like a good bit of success with starting those conversations. Um, I guess it hasn't been as directly. There's also just a lot more people around me now. 
mm-hmm. um, college, but it's still yeah. there. Um, one time I'm thinking of specifically that I kind of maybe encapsulates how it's been in college is I was doing, um, I did a awareness week, uh, mental health awareness week um, with through my fraternity's philanthropy. And um, this one of the, one of my brothers who was helping out that week did, wasn't really saying anything, didn't talk about his experience much, but a couple months later, just one night randomly came up to me and just started talking. It's just like, I'm struggling. I'm not doing well. And just kind of opened up in the middle of, out of the blue completely And that, that really meant a lot to me because that showed that even though maybe it wasn't actively happening right when I was doing it, it's still there. Like you said, planting the seed in his yeah. head that I'm there to talk to and that it's okay to open up. And so in time, maybe not in the moment, he wasn't able to talk about it, but later on he had that idea that it was safe to come to me and it was okay to talk about. And he did, and he opened up. And then we had a couple, you know, one-on-ones we met up, came closer, good friends now. And is he's doing a lot better now, which is really cool. And it, it you know, it's kind of frustrating because it doesn't happen immediately, maybe. No. And you may not see results right away all the time or see people engaging, but it's, I like planting that seed so much because it's there. They have that yeah. idea. And sometime it may grow, blossom and come up and they will begin that conversation, you know? Oh, I just feel like you're, that's a great reminder that people are always paying attention, even when they're not engaged and like saying in college, like there's a lot of people and yeah, we hear about mental health more. I think that's a really good thing that came out of COVID. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, not always authentic. It's not always vulnerable, but yeah. people are always paying attention. Like they mm-hmm. really, really are. Like even when they're standing in line at the coffee shop behind you, you know, on their screen, they're still like, what's, Hey, what's on that person's shirt? What's like, Oh, what is that message? Like mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're taking it all in. And when are we going to use it is not always the same thing, but being an advocate mm-hmm. for mental health, that's fantastic that you were able to help a brother in that way. Yeah. No, it's it's been amazing, and I'm I'm very glad that I've been able to continue this outreach and prevention journey through college, um, and you know, grow it into my own sort of you know programs and activities, and host my own events. And yeah, it's, I've I've been very fortunate to have the opportunity to host those events, and it's it's been the most rewarding part of my college experience so far. Putting on awesome. I forgot events. about that college, your fraternity, because like we st- have stayed so busy over the years and five years yeah. um, that you were one of the first like fraternity people that pr- reached out to Robbie's Hope and thought about that idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Do you think it helped like having the idea of being involved with the Hopeful Drive that like you had an idea of what philanthropy was prior to going to college and becoming 100%. Greek? Because like how many high school kids know what philanthropy is? Yeah. Hundred percent. That I had already had firsthand experience working with philanthropy and events and hosting for charity and outreach and all of that. And so I remember when I went through Rush, I was the only person really talking about philanthropy. And I would ask each different fraternity, like, which is your main philanthropy? What what do you guys do? And the one I ended up joining, it wasn't necessarily just because it was mental health awareness was their main philanthropy. But because the people were talking about it well, the way that the guys talked about it showed they cared and they were able to have conversations about it and actually get into it. And, you know, because there's a lot of people in the chapter and each one has their own involvement. But when you talk to a couple of people and each one is interested, 
versus other fraternities, you know, maybe one or two people will be interested and know something about it. But a lot of people are like, oh, it's just this thing. But the one I ended up choosing, not only was it mental health awareness, so, you know, something that is near and dear to my heart, but also I could tell that the brothers that were there cared about it and it was on their minds and important to them. Huh. Philanthropies, I don't know. It's like one of the greatest things. Jason and I were both Greek back in college. I think cool. that's where we learned about giving to others and, mm -hmm. you know, just very similar to the hopeful drive, really, and the opportunity to grow personally, to yeah. do well for, do good for others. And then yeah. that part of doing something for that you care about personally and mm -hmm. showing that the, the impact that that can have. Um, I don't know. It's probably one of the greatest blessings of our lives is to yeah. be able to give to others like yes it's where you and the, what we get in return is yeah so Most great things, you you do it for other people right you do it to help the ones around you and the greater community of wherever you are whether that's colorado or you know cal poly but the returns are incredible because you don't think about that you don't do that typically for the returns or whatever but when i Put on, I put on a concert, a benefit concert, where all the proceeds went to the Jed Foundation, which is the foundation my fraternity partners with. That was the most impactful part of my college career. And that turned around, really, my school and my work ethic, because I was really struggling with college um, through my sophomore year, and to the point okay. where I wasn't sure if I could graduate. It was a lot. And I put on this concert. That was even more than school, but you know, school I can it's easy for me to give up on because I'm not, I guess, as interested or care as much. But that concert, so near and dear to my heart, I'm not letting this fall. I'm not letting this fail. So I put in the work and I really changed my habits and my work style and how I get things done and just just my whole routine, and everything to get it done. And then after doing that, I was able to, you know, bring that experience into my schoolwork and it's been not necessarily easier, I guess, but a lot more successful and I'm able to do it more, a lot uh -huh. better. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You like yeah. gave to others, even when you were struggling yourself mm -hmm. and yet you feel like it made you better. Yeah, definitely. It, Very yeah, cool. Like I said, best, like easily the biggest turning point of me getting, becoming successful in college, you know, becoming able to complete my classes and get grades that I'm happy with. I feel like in high school, I got to experience a very pivotal moment for your um, high school career. And I feel like it could help other ambassadors, kids involved with Robbie's Hope now that are still a freshman, a sophomore, a junior in high school. What do you want to tell me, our, our listeners, about the golden one? Can the you explain one. it a little bit and how that came out? Like, Yeah. So um, the golden one was an event that my high school put on once a year where some of the senior boys would do a little show, put on a little performance, a talent show, so to speak, and it was for charity. So there was two parts of the show. One was the talent, and one was a speech about a chosen charity, uh, typically local charities in our community, that they cared about and they wanted to make a difference. And so the winner of the Golden One each year, I think 70% of the proceeds went to that charity and then second place had the other 30 percent and i remember when i was a freshman in high school i saw that event happening and i really wanted to do it i knew that that was for me I was, that's you know i like being on stage i like being in front of people 
And back then it wasn't even for charity. A couple years later, it becomes for charity. And then I'm like, oh, now I have to do it. And then Robbie passes away. I become involved with an organization and I start finally have a philanthropy I care about. And so when the event started and I knew I was going to sign up for it, but it was great because I knew what charity I wanted to be with. And a lot of the other boys participating in the event didn't really have a philanthropy or charity close to them. And so I think we were given a list and they just kind of you know picked and choose which one. But for me, I had, I already had Robbie's Hope and I already cared about it. And that in part was, a, I mean, that was the, probably the reason I won is because my speech was really easy for me to speak naturally and true and honest and open about Robbie's Hope and why I care about it, why I'm part of this organization, why I, you know, spend my time with them um, and why I think the fundraiser should go to them. And I remember that speech being less prepared than I had would have hoped for an event that I had been thinking about for three years. But I got on stage and it didn't matter because I had been with Robbie's Hope for a year at that point. I had been having conversations just like the one I was, not a conversation, but just like my speech. And so it came naturally. It flowed out and it was real easy to just talk honestly about why I care about this organization. And because of that, I won. I won the thing. And that was amazing. I think it was the best, my, you know, top high school experience, being able to not only, you know, do this fun event in front of my friends and the whole school, but also spread the word of this organization to my entire campus. And everybody, you know, everybody who was there heard it and really understood the impact. And I remember opening up about my own mental health problems on stage. And that was a huge moment. And I remember going back and forth between doing that or not. And I'm so glad I did because a lot, when, when I started Robbie's Hope, I think a lot of people started hearing more mental health conversations, but not everybody's listening. And when you're on stage with a microphone, everybody's listening. Everybody has to hear it. And so that was just, I think that was so impactful. And I was so happy I was able to, I had the opportunity, you know, to talk about that in front of my entire high school. And yeah. I was there. Jason was yeah. there. We didn't know. I mean, we knew that you had picked Robbie's Hope. You, you know, never shared your speech with us ahead of time. And we didn't really know what the golden one was. Um, and I just remember like you were incredibly authentic and just so real. I remember I got goosebumps and some tears. Um, like, wow. Like the impact that we are having with kids, student-led young people, like Robert Vermillion and Golden High School is just, this is so, so cool. Um, we didn't know you, Robert, prior to no. Robbie's death. No. Um, and yet we can get kids to be the catalysts and leaders in their communities to create really positive change. Um, mm -hmm. That was a great experience for us as well. I'm Do you glad. remember any other examples of like how, or what would you, your advice be to, uh, you know, a high schooler that like maybe a little bit, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't, ha I don't have the golden one competition, but I have, how do you take that step to go out there and do what you believe? I guess it's just to find every opportunity you can and, um, take whatever doors are open for you. Um, because every, every person's life and experience is different, but there will always be times 
where you can talk about it, whether you have an opportunity to speak on a stage about something written near and dear to your heart, or just in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. When you hear someone make a joke about suicide in just like a casual setting, and you, you have the opportunity in that setting to move on, let it slip, and think about it later, or you could stop your friend in that moment and say, hey man, like, do you really mean that? That's either not cool or we should have a real conversation. Is that true? Is it, you know, just kind of stop. And that's, I think that's the easiest example is just kind of conversations with your friends. Um, but you, there will always be opportunities to everybody. And no matter how big or small, it's about taking them when you see them, um, which can be hard because they're typically sometimes decisions have to be made in the moment. And it's okay if you're not able to do it every time and not able to always have the conversations that you want, but it's about practice. And the more you are able to step out and talk about what you care about, the easier it will be in the future to begin having those conversations and to begin speaking. And maybe you have an opportunity to speak on stage, but you're not ready for it yet. And that's okay. Practice and having smaller conversations with a group of friends. <laughs> friends can be hard too. I mean, for me personally, it's easier to talk to a crowd than my friends because I don't see the crowd really, you know, it's, a, I don't see their faces. Friends are difficult, but taking those steps of, you know, the easiest one, cutting off a friend when they say a suicide joke, or you see someone struggling and asking them about how they are and just having, you know, even if you don't see them struggling, just having those conversations, checking in on your friends, it's all practice. And it, doing that practice can build your confidence to be able to take a bigger opportunity when that comes. Yeah, it, it, it is, it, it is practice. I feel like I hear you talk about like being in your fraternity and meeting like kind of like-minded people who have like the Jed foundation, a, you know, a suicide prevention type based organization, knowing philanthropy, being involved in Robbie's hope and high school, like being with like-minded or other bringing somebody along in the journey. Like it's easier to do things with, somebody else versus just sometimes doing it alone. Do you remember any of that? I, or does... Yeah, I, I definitely remember when I started um, the, so in my fraternity, I was the philanthropy chair. I did that for a year and that gave me the opportunity to host many outreach events and fundraisers. And at the beginning of it, I kind of just took everything myself and I was just like, I'll do this. I'll plan this. I'll have, I'll do it all. I'll do it all myself because it didn't seem like too much on the surface, I guess. And so I thought I could do it. And the first event I planned, I did it all by myself and it was really hard. It took a lot of work. And I think that kind of took away from it a little bit because there were things I couldn't do as well and things I couldn't put as much time into as I wanted to. And I think maybe it took a little bit away from how I thought about it afterwards because it had stressed me out so much doing that all by myself and putting that all on my plate. And so I started to incorporate a couple other students in for the next event that I did. And that helped a lot. And it was, I remember it being kind of difficult for me at first, honestly, to move this work. I, I care about it so much. And I had been working in with mental health for three years now. So I was kind of nervous to spread responsibility to other kids. But there are so many other people out there that care, that are just as capable as I am, if not more and able to help. And so though I was nervous at first about giving that work, it really helped and it really took off. And I was able to see that, 
other people really do care and they want to do this. And I, it's a lot more helpful to do it with a group of people because you just have more options. You have more of it. You have more time, you have more resources, you have more effort. And it may, it was a little scary at first. I remember like passing off responsibility of something I care about so much, but just having other people's opinions and other people's work and their style of planning helped a lot. It helped with ideas. It was a great part of it. Just brainstorming is so much easier with a group. Even, you know, if they're not giving it, just bouncing off of someone else is huge. And yeah, I mean, it's just, you're so much more capable to create something when you have a bigger group. Um, so yeah, I definitely, though I didn't see it at first, it is so helpful to do something as a, as a group. You end up with some thicker, deeper relationships with people you're hanging out with too, I bet. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it drew me do, close to those couple guys I worked with. Do you remember like a specific event you did for the hopeful drive, like in golden when you were a junior or a senior? Um, I remember just going to, I didn't go to golden. Actually, I went to downtown Denver a couple times. Um, and then we did the, the canning. We had our, our little can or our bucket and we, uh, I think we made a couple signs too. And we stood outside and we took donations and, you know, had a couple conversations with people about this is Robbie's hope. This is what we do. Our goal is to cut teen suicide in Colorado by half in 2028. What is it? Um, you know, just having those conversations um, and being out there in the streets of Denver. And it's, it's just so, it's so like vulnerable, I guess, to be standing there with a little sign and anyone who passes by is going to see that. And Denver's a busy city, you know, it's a, a big place compared to Golden. Um, it's a little scary at first, you know, you're, anyone could come up to you at any time and ask you questions about mental health and you're just some 16 year old, you know, what are you going to do? But, you know, that really started building confidence and building those things and having a couple of conversations with strangers about why we're doing what we're doing really, I guess, helped build the confidence that I have today to talk about these things. Um, yeah, it was great. I remember it, it being a fun time going out there. <laughs> And probably a lot of no's, a lot of rejections, but you keep pushing through it and you will get yeah. one person yeah. that says, yes, I will listen. Yeah. Yeah. That's the I way life first, goes. Too, it was, it was hard because I wasn't, I don't think I was pushing it enough. You know, like now I'm able to, if I'm standing there with a sign, I'm able to like talk, try to talk to people that are passing by. But oh. I think then it was more like, I was just waiting for someone to talk to me, you know, and hoping that they would. And that's very difficult to do to have someone. And so I, was the beginning and I don't think I did that well that time, but it became practice to actually stop someone and try to talk to them. And even if you get rejected and they don't want to talk, it's okay. Cause there's many more people walking down the street. Your confidence built over time. Definitely a lot. Oh gosh. Well, what else should we tell our listeners about the hopeful drive that you, that I haven't asked you about Robert? Um, well, my curiosity now is, is it, is it, international is it, i mean not international but is it across america is it everywhere now it is yeah we That's have amazing. ambassadors across the country working wow. solo and in in groups and all types of different events still some bake thing. sale type things in front of grocery awesome. stores uh, maybe at a high school basketball game a lunchroom table um you know all types of different things community events going on three weeks <laughs> kicks off on January 19th this year, but nationally, yes. Awesome. That's amazing. And I guess I'd say to anyone out there who's participating or wants to participate is to A, just, just do it. Go out there and no matter what your apprehensions are, 
or if you haven't been able to find a group, go solo, but try to find a couple people and whatever you can do, do it. No matter how big or how small, anything is better than nothing. And if you're scared to go outside and to ask for donations and talk about this organization, start small and it will become easier. And it may not be easy now, but the way to make it easier is through exposure. And no matter how big or small, anything you do when it comes to having these conversations, especially with strangers, that can be really intimidating, will be helpful and will give you practice and experience and confidence to be able to have these conversations. You know, maybe you're not able to bring things like this up to your friends yet, but if you go on the streets of your city and talk to people you don't even know for a little bit, it may give you the confidence to have those conversations with people that you are close to. That's good advice. Very good advice. Spoken from experience. Yes. All right. We, Robert, we have every, we end every podcast with the same question. So here it is for you. What does the world need to hear right now? The whole world. Um, first is that it's going to be okay, I think is, is definitely a huge one and something I need to hear many times and that um, things can always get better. Um, yeah. And with time, just waiting around. And, you know, even if you're not able to make positive steps towards what you want to change, time will eventually either give you the confidence to make those steps or they'll happen naturally. And through time and through a little bit of effort, everything can become better and it will be. And um, I guess the second thing I would, I think the world needs to hear, and I think I need to hear too in some ways, um, is what I'm saying to myself, is that whatever you're scared of and whatever you're worried about doing or you have any apprehensions is probably going to be better you're probably, it's probably not going to be as bad as you think it is. And you should just do, it. you should just go for it and try it out. And maybe you fail, but the sadness of failure is nowhere near as devastating as the guilt and the grief of not doing what you wanted and looking back and not having tried that thing that you're worried about because failure you can learn from and you can grow from, but you're not going to get anything out of it if you never try and you just remember what could have been. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Robert, thank you so much for being our guest today on hopeful conversations to our listeners to remember to tune in next time. And until then, hold on pain ends.